0: What's another month in a year that's already had 11 of them? Another turn of the earth, and each of us is another day closer to the solstice, the holidays, 2022, President's Day, and so many more milestones that are worth noting somewhere. Perhaps not on this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, which is intended to capture a few things that happened around the time of December 1st, 2021. I'm the person with the hosting net, Sean Tubbs. On today's show, more details on what happens next in the top executive position in Charlottesville. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors seeks patrons for bills on photo speed camera expansion and more. And Virginia's recycling rate increased in calendar year 2020. In today's first field shout shout-out, The Rivanna Conservation Alliance is looking for a few good volunteers for a couple of upcoming events. On Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., the Rivanna Conservation Alliance will team up with the James River Association to plant trees along the Rivanna River and Town Branch in the Dunlora neighborhood to serve as a riparian buffer. In all, they're hoping to put in nine acres of trees, On Sunday, the Rivanna Greenbelt Marathon takes place and the Rivanna Conservation Alliance is the beneficiary. They're looking for people to help put on the race. Learn more about both events and the organization at rivannariver.org. The seven-day average for new COVID cases has increased to 1,548 cases a day, and the seven-day percent positivity has increased to 6.7 percent. A month ago, on November 1st, the percent positivity was 5.5 percent. There were 746 reported deaths in Virginia in the past month. The Blue Ridge Health District reports an additional 58 new cases today, and the 7-day percent positivity is 6.1 percent. There were 26 reported COVID deaths in the Health District in November. The Jefferson-Madison Regional Library has distributed 631 rapid COVID tests in the past week as part of a pilot program with the Virginia Department of Health. You can learn more at jmrl.org. Mark Woolley will not start today as Charlottesville city manager, or any other day for that matter. The former business administrator of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, has opted to not take the position of running the city's executive functions. The city council met in closed session for over three hours yesterday to discuss the withdrawal. Charlottesville Mayor Nakia Walker addressed the public afterward to say she had known since before Thanksgiving. On November 21st, um, Mr. Mark Woolley reached out to me. Um, we had a planned um, meeting scheduled for early in the week that had been postponed to that day. And he informed me that he, for personal reasons, would not be taking um, the job in the city of Charlottesville. Walker said council tried to get the notice of Woolley's withdrawal out before the Thanksgiving holiday. And we were
1: unable to do that, and we apologize to the community for that confusion. But we did want to give more time than the notification that um, happened today.
0: And so we have known for um, a little over a week now, and this was the first opportunity for us to get together to explore other options and kind of just brainstorm where we are and where we're headed. Counselor Heather Hill had a few more glimpses into what happens next.
1: Council is considering going into a contract with a firm for interim services. We're going to be working through staff on what the best and most efficient process would, would be for that. We've made no decisions that matter.
0: In the meanwhile, Deputy City Managers Ashley Marshall and Sam Sanders will continue to serve with extended duties. Hill said more information about a search firm will be released in two weeks City Councilor-elect Juan Diego Wade will be sworn into office on December 15th at 9.30 a.m. on the city courthouse steps. He'll be sworn in along at the same time as three members of the school board. City Councilor-elect Brian Pinkston will be sworn in on December 23rd at 10 a.m. on the courthouse steps. However, both will not officially be in office until January 1st. The recycling rate in Virginia increased in the year 2020, as reported by 71 planning units across the Commonwealth. Of the 11 million tons of municipal solid waste processed, 5.3 million tons were reported as recycled. Here's a section from the executive summary of a report generated by the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality. However, some planning units faced recycling challenges due to the COVID-19 pandemic, lack of recycling markets in their regions, and difficulty in obtaining recycling information from private businesses. Of that 5.3 million tons, 3.9 million were classified as principal recyclable materials, and 1.4 million were in the form of credits. Recyclable materials include...
1: Paper. Metal.
0: Glass. Commingled materials.
1: Yard waste. Waste wood. Textiles. Waste tires.
0: Used oil. Used oil filters.
1: Used antifreeze.
0: Inoperative automobiles. Batteries. Electronics. And other. Credits refers to. Recycling residues.
1: Solid waste reused.
0: Non MSW recycled. Includes construction and demolition material, ash and debris.
1: And source reduction initiatives.
0: Under Virginia Code, localities or the regions they are within must develop a solid waste management plan. In this area, the Thomas Jefferson Planning District does that work on behalf of Albemarle, Charlottesville, Green, and Fluvanna. The towns of Scottsville and Standardsville are also covered by the TJPDC, which reports a recycling rate of 41.9% in 2020. Louisa County runs its own sanitary landfill and is its own solid waste planning unit. They report a recycling rate of 29.5 percent. The Lunenburg County Solid Waste Planning Unit reported a 78.8 percent recycling rate. That's the highest in the state. Lee County in southwest Virginia reported the lowest at 10.4 percent. Virginia Code requires localities to be above 15 percent. The report singles out Arlington County for improving the recycling rate by prohibiting glass from the single-stream recycling system. Instead, Arlington set up five drop-off locations to ensure glass would not be contaminated by other materials. Over 1,429 tons of clean glass was collected. Here's a section from the report. The removal of glass from the Residential Curbside Recycling Program had the added benefit of boosting the overall value of a ton of the single stream recycling significantly. To learn more about Arlington's program, visit their website. On Thursday, the Operations Subcommittee of Albemarle's Solid Waste Alternatives Advisory Committee meets. On the agenda is an update on efforts to increase the market for glass recycling to attract interest from a processing company. I wrote about that topic back in January, and I'm interested in getting that update. There's a link in the newsletter. You're listening to Community Engagement. It's time now for the second Patreon-fueled shout-out. The Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign is an initiative that wants you to grow native plants in farms, yards, public spaces, and gardens in the Northern Piedmont. The leaves have fallen, and this is a good time to begin planning for the spring. Native plants provide habitat, food sources for wildlife, Ecosystem resiliency in the face of climate change and clean water. Start at the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page and tell them that Lonnie Murray sent you. One more segment to conclude today. The General Assembly convenes six weeks from today. Across Virginia, local officials are seeking ways to get delegates and senators to carry specific bills. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors held a meeting on Monday to explain their three legislative priorities. County Attorney Greg Campner said the first is a request to allow localities to treat some violations of local ordinance with civil penalties as opposed to being criminally punished. Albemarle also wants to be able to establish a schedule of fines that exceed what can be charged now.
1: The initiative would authorize a schedule of civil penalties of up to $500 for the initial summons with increasing amounts up to a total of $5,000 in aggregate under the same operative tax.
0: Kampner said the current penalty of $200 for the first violation and $500 for each additional one is too low.
1: Those amounts are unchanged since 2007, and the county has found that some zoning violators see those payments as a cost of doing business, which prolongs the enforcement process for those localities that have opted to pursue civil penalties.
0: Both Delegate Sally Hudson and Delegate Rob Bell expressed interest in being a sponsor of that legislation. Albemarle's second legislative request is to expand the use of photo speed cameras to enforce violations of the speed limit. The general assembly passed legislation in 2020 that allows the cameras to be used in highway work zones and school crossing zones.
1: A photo speed monitoring device is equipment that uses radar or lidar based speed detection and produces one or more photographs, microphotographs, videotapes or other recorded images of vehicles, the enabling authority to self-execute No ordinance is required, and local law enforcement offices may have the devices installed in those zones.
0: Kempner said Albemarle would like to be able to use the cameras on rural roads where speeding has been identified as an issue.
1: The roads would be selected by the governing body based on speeding, crash, and fatality data.
0: Delegate Bell said he would want to talk to someone at the Albemarle Police Department before deciding whether he would want to carry the bill. I'm reading what is drafted. It is not exactly what is being described by some of the speakers as what they're looking for. So I think it would be helpful probably to go to the source and talk to APD. Both Delegate Hudson and Delegate Chris Runyon both said they would also like to hear from law enforcement. Hudson had concerns.
1: Historically, sometimes automated enforcement devices have been disparately positioned throughout communities and so might appreciate some language or guardrails in the bill that would require some kind of public analysis regarding where they're going to go.
0: Albemarle's third legislative request would be to require agricultural buildings at which the public would be invited to conform to the state's building code. Currently, there is no inspection process or minimum standards for barns and other structures where large events are held.
1: a use that would be subject to requirements such as having an outdoor, an automatic fire alarm system, emergency lights at exits, panic hardware and all required exit doors, portable fire extinguishers, and a maximum occupancy of 200 persons.
0: Albemarle County cannot currently regulate construction of such buildings due to state law, but a 2018 review of building codes for agritourism businesses suggested such minimum standards would be beneficial to public safety in an era when many of these buildings are used for breweries, wineries, and other destinations. Here's Albemarle County Supervisor Ann Malick.
1: Many people who go to these properties have no idea that these buildings are not inspected and that they uh, don't meet the building codes.
0: Delegate Hudson said she would be willing to request the Division of Legislative Services prepare a draft based on this request. Delegate Chris Runyon had some concerns about unintended consequences of the requirements and suggested there might be another way to address the issue.
1: Uh, the other area I think is probably a new area of conversation is the limit to 200 people. Uh, I think currently the building, and I may not be remember that correctly, but I thought that there was a limits at 300 previously, and so that's another area to uh, create or to check out some information on.
0: Also at Monday's meeting, the legislative liaison for the Thomas Jefferson Planning District had the chance to introduce his regional legislative program. David Blunt is the deputy director of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District, and he says this year's regional wish list is very similar to last year's. Uh, We've added some uh, language to support uh, the uh, expanding the allowable uses of electronic meetings outside of emergency declarations. I think we'll see some legislation on that in 2022. Charlottesville City Council will be presented with the TJPDC legislative program and their own program at their next meeting on December 6th. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Special thanks today to Liz Cerami, Lisa Edge, Lloyd Goad, and Grace Reynolds for helping with the recitation of all of those materials. Today, I just want to say thank you so much. That's, I mean, I know we had Thanksgiving last week, but I do want to support the people who have chipped in this week. Uh, uh, as you may or may not know, uh, if uh, if you subscribe to this program in Substack, Ting will match your very first uh, payment, which is really cool because what that does is it allows me to continue planning and preparing for this. Um, Because this, of course, is my business. This is what I want to do. I want to bring you this information. And, of course, being able to do that without having to worry too much about the bills is quite... Uh, freeze me up to do the work, which is to basically pay as much attention to as much as I can as possible and bring you as much of it as possible. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. I'll be back tomorrow with another installment. In the meantime, stay safe and have a great rest of the day. See you in the next installment, whenever that might be.